Welcome to On the Bench. I am your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone, joined by, uh, to, I don't know what corner this is, my left. You're pointing at me right now, joined yeah. by Chris Knee. Chris Knee. Now, and if anyone's listening to this, point down. I apologize. Say joined by Zach. Zach That's how this works. Good TV. Good start. Great TV. Excellent. Let's, uh, let's talk about the email debacle that we just got into before the show started. It wasn't a debacle. I'm just amazed how much people struggle to check their email when they're given a specific title of what the email would be within the and email. The, and it all happened within the last 36 hours as far as the beginning of the email and the email coming to you guys. We're talking about spring game credentials. So Chris asked exactly. a simple question whether we all got them. Uh, Zach, yes, right away because he's responsible and wise beyond his years. Uh, and not shocking to anyone who listens regularly, Dane and I struggled to find it. It was a whole ordeal. Uh, we eventually did find it, and that's how the story ended. But it was about 10 minutes of Chris banging his head against the wall. I really thought Dane was going to use that, like, spring game tickets on sale email to, like, get into the uh, as a credential. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, what was your whole devious plan yesterday with the roach? With the roach? Well, so my wife for the last year uh, has – become well she's always been kind of like a prankster but really in the last in the last year it's been amped up and one of her favorite uh tricks to play on people is to get these little toy cockroaches and hide them in different places i don't know why she thinks that's funny i don't know why like what has attracted her to the cockroach joke um but i got a hold of one the other day i've been playing it like on different people putting in different places i guess since april 1st was around the corner maybe i've just been in the the foolish kind of mode and uh i know zach is afraid of cockroaches why these two worlds haven't combined before then again this is well documented zach makes his girlfriend come over to his apartment to kill cockroaches for him which if you're living in a tallahassee apartment uh pretty high standard of, of cockroaches around college. Uh, sorry if there's any potential sponsors out there that, that want us to uh, shout out there. Not not your place. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's not yours. It's the other ones. Don't worry. You're nice and clean. Anyways, uh, we were at practice yesterday and I took a cockroach, a fake cockroach, clearly fake too. Like, there's no way these things look real. Put it down in front of Zach uh, while we were sitting out. We were inside Doak for this practice. So we were on the bleachers. I put it down in front of Zach and I's foot. I'm like, oh my God, what's that? And Zach shot up the fastest if I've ever seen him move and start screaming, oh my God, oh my God, what is that? Is that alive? Is it yours? Is it real? Over and over. And even as it was clear that it wasn't real, he still wouldn't go anywhere close to it. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of cruel to do someone that has like a phobia of that kind of stuff. I didn't think it was a phobia. I just thought you were afraid. Also, you haven't blinked in like five minutes. Probably because I have this giant light in my eye. Do you want um, to talk about FSU football and recruiting? That's probably why people are listening. That's why the people are here. I can't wait till the comments section uh, reflects that angst. They had fun for three minutes. This is the worst podcast in the world. Da, 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 da. All right, let's talk about the tight end board because there's been some. So really... no needs counseling. I just I got rejected today and it hurt. <laughs> and we don't have to get into that, but. A man can only take so many rejections and so much cruelty in a certain span. I want to talk about the tight end board for FSU guys because there have been a few big developments in the last few days, with the most notable one being that five-star tight end Landon Thomas, Georgia commit, was on campus. Zach Blostein broke the news. Uh, if you're not subscribed to Knowles 24-7, there is a promo right now going on. With the Battle's End, basically the Battle's End has a donor match program going until April 15th, the spring game. And part of that program 
is if you sign up with the Battle's End, you get a month free of Knowles 24-7. Uh, if you are a current subscriber, free month. Easy, easy peasy. We'll take care of that for you. And then uh, if you're on the fence, which if you're an FSU fan, you're not subscribed to Knowles 24-7. I don't know what you're doing. This is legitimately the best coverage out there, top to bottom. Battle's End even said so in a tweet the other day. And uh, if you're new to it, basically you sign up for a month uh, and you get a month free or you sign up for a year, you get a month free, but you have to sign up. And then once that happens, we'll take care of you for another one. So, yeah, uh, Zach broke big news. Landon Thomas is going to be on campus. Uh, Zach, Landon Thomas on campus. Let's break out the Chattanooga whiskey. Is it time to celebrate just yet? Not quite yet. I mean, if you want, if you're just celebrating over a visit, go for it. Um, you should I'm bring not... out Chattanooga whiskey all the Well, not all the time. Anytime you're celebrating, anytime you just want to have a, a little libations, Chattanooga hey. whiskey is where it's at. You know me. I'm all about that. But yeah, so Landon Thomas, like you said, made it to Florida State's campus on Thursday surrounding the 11th spring football practice, which was held inside Doe Campbell Stadium um, yesterday afternoon. And by all accounts, Landon really enjoyed it. Um, no Super 7 got an exclusive interview with Landon Thomas. Um, he declined to talk to the media when he uh, first departed Florida State's campus, but I caught up with him later that day and he had great things to say. I mean, um, I was kind of surprised. Um, Dane was actually doing the interview with me. So um, we were kind of like, you know, bouncing off questions and, and um, essentially asked just kind of, you know, how did the visit go? That was just the basic question. He said the visit was good like always. And the highlight of the visit was the practice, just just to get out here and watch how Coach Norvell and Coach Thompson coach were some of the, you know, the things that stood out to him the most. Um, on why he keeps making it back to campus, obviously, he, he comes back in April. And then, um, you know, prior to this trip, he was on campus for a junior day in January, which was kind of a surprise trip as well. Um, but he said, you know, they've always been a school that's never lost contact with me. And I just enjoy being down there around them. Um, Thomas was once committed to Florida State all the way back in April of 2021. He stepped away from that pledge in October of that year before committing to UGA in July of 2022. So you know, he's been committed to Georgia for, for quite a while now, but FSU is making things interesting, so much so that he tells Nolan 24-7 that he's likely going to be back for an official visit. Um, he said that'll probably occur on the third week of June. So looking at the calendar in June, that likely occurs on the June 16th weekend. And uh, he also has an official schedule to Georgia at the beginning of the month, June 2nd through the 4th. And those are the only two scheduled officials as of right now. I think it's basically a Florida State and Georgia battle for Landon Thomas. When I asked him how close is FSU to Georgia in his recruitment, he, he gave me a one-word response that, that you know, honestly tells a lot. And that was close. Um, so... Yeah, I, I think FSU just knocked it out of the park on this visit. And, you know, moving forward, I mean, it's just going to be chipping away at that pledge um, and, and obviously got to get him back on campus for that OV over the summer, get that locked in, make sure that happens. Obviously, Kirby Smart and Georgia are not going to be, you know, taking that lightly, especially with, you know, it making the news. So, I, you know, Florida State has its work cut out for them, but Landon Thomas is the top tight end uh, prospect in the country, and he's absolutely worth, you know, all the – troubles in recruiting that you're going to, um, you know, endure over the next couple of months to try and land a, a prospect like him. Chris Thompson's done a really good job recruiting him here. Um, it's been consistent effort and just a relationship is very strong there. 
Landon, the thing I've always been told about Landon is the impressive thing about him is from the beginning of the relationship with FSU before he was a five-star, before he even committed to FSU the first time, versus what he is today now as a five-star, committed, decommitted, committed to Georgia. He's always been kind of the same, and that's a quality that I think stands out to FSU is that he's a very steady kid in the sense of how he conducts himself, how he handles himself, just how he operates. And they, they've done a phenomenal job. I don't know that they get him in the end, but they've positioned themselves as well as one can to get a kid while combating battling a team that's won back-to-back national championships. And a team that's produced some pretty impressive tight ends and has proven they yeah. can develop that position and, and utilize it. So And in his home state. Colt, it's interesting. I was talking about this with someone the other day. It is it, it is in Georgia. It is the home state. But Colquitt is closer, much closer to Tallahassee, uh, Moultrie, Georgia, where he's from, Colquitt County. I think I'm saying it correctly. Long-running joke on this podcast. I can't pronounce Colquitt correctly. But he's closer to Tallahassee than he is to Athens. And I, I don't know if that's one of the reasons why he keeps showing up. That is – I don't dismiss that, that he is really, really close, an hour to an hour and a half away. I certainly don't think sitting at a practice yesterday and watching Jaheim Bell and other tight ends making plays down the field and being used hurts FSU. That That's a position from the beginning of his recruitment to today where FSU has dramatically improved. And I think the production on the field this year will show that. Yeah, I think that's going to play an important factor, right? Like, of course, it's upgraded that room. And if they can go out and show that they've, they've upgraded it and they're going to become a feature – position in the offense if they have talented guys there i mean that's got to be super attractive to a guy like landon thomas yeah it's a similar track to what we've seen at wide receiver we had a class with multiple uh transfer commitments for fsu and that class turned into a very productive group and then the high school recruiting of the position seemingly picks up so i think we're kind of seeing a similar track there but yeah I, i you know he was with his mother yesterday that's always important to get a parent if not both parents on campus with a kid and I think the thing with Landon is just that FSU's been kind of steady with him, and he's been steady with them. And I think that's why he'll have a very good chance at the end when he does have to make that ultimately final decision. I, I am interested to see – Zach kind of alluded to this, but like how Georgia responds now because it's out there. Not only did he show up to Florida State, which I think Georgia's probably comfortable letting their prospects take visits. It's not like the, the Dabo-Clemson rule from my understanding, but um, – for him to have the public comment of the FSU's close. Like I am, I'm curious to see how Kirby who recruits South Georgia as, as well as anyone being a South Georgia guy, like how, how they respond. And if that official visit ends up happening, if there are any more visits for, uh, for him between now and, and June as well. So be interesting to see. Uh, let's change gears a little bit here, sticking with tight end, but let's move to someone else. And that's Kylan Fox, four-star tight end from, uh, Buford High School in North, or sorry, excuse me, Grayson High School in North Georgia. I get my North Georgia schools uh, confused. He listed a top six the other day, Zach. You caught up with him, got a good quote on that as well. I'm going to put on his highlights because he's a lot of fun, very gadgety. Chris kind of reminds me of like a baby uh, Trey McKitty, but maybe better movement skills of what Trey was coming in. Um, anyways, let's uh, let's talk about his recruitment, Zach, where FSU stands and we get into his game. Yeah, so he, like you said, announced the top six, uh, which was UCF, Miami, Colorado, Ole Miss, Georgia Tech, and Florida State. Um, despite, you know, FSU being among that, that uh, group of schools, I think Florida State's probably in the lead right now based on the quote he gave me. Um, he said, they are the program that probably sticks out to me the most. I've been to their campus more than anyone else's, and every time I went, the visit was better than the last time I went. 
Um, he said that Coach Mike Norvell and Coach Chris Thompson have built a great, great relationship with me, and I think that has contributed to my high interest in them. He also noted on Florida State's usage of tight ends both last year and this year. He said, I see the way they used Cam McDonald last year, and I think they'll use Jaheim Bell the same way, and that's what I like as well. So um, he has he, he'll be back on campus actually next weekend for the Spring Showcase on April 15th. And then he also has an official visit uh, scheduled to Tallahassee for June 16th, um, that third weekend of, of June. UCF will get to host him the first weekend of June, and then Miami uh, will host him on June 9th. That, that uh, falls between the UCF and FSU visits. He's the number 129 overall prospect, sorry, Chris, and number nine athlete in the country. A couple of things to add. Has some ties to the Valdosta, Georgia area before he moved up to North Georgia to play at Grayson. So there's some ties down this way with him. Yeah. I think he uh, knows Jaheim Bell because of that, actually. Yeah, I think he mentioned that to me at the end of January visit, if I recall correctly, the day that him and uh, some family came in. I believe it was the last day of the January period and spent some time at FSU. That's when I learned about the about Austin ties directly from him. Yeah. Uh, another thing I'll add, he's more of a flex-out kid at this point. You know, I don't know how much of an inline blocker type he is. FSU usually likes their tight ends have kind of a, you know, an array of skills. And I think he's a willingly physical participant because he does play some defense, play some defensive end. But if you watch, as you're watching these highlights that we're rolling through, most of it is him truly flexed out more as like an outside big slot or, you know, just off the line as more of like a flex tight end type. So there is some stuff with him where I think he'll have to learn to be a little bit more well-rounded and doing some of the duties that are expected of a tight end. But he can, or I'm sorry, he can receive it. He can run it. He's a yards after the catch kind of guy, very big. Catch radius, tall athlete, gets down the field effectively. There's a whole lot to like about his game. It's just I think that FSU, you know, is trying to get away from having to need six tight ends to do six different things and would rather tight ends that have all of those skill sets within themselves. So that's one thing to keep in mind here with Fox. But, yes, they do like him. I mean, I don't think he's the same level as Landon Thomas, but I do think he's a really good football player. What is he, six foot five, like 215-ish? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember the exact weight from January, um, but yeah, he, he's very tall, very lanky. He's not super filled out, but the frame has plenty of room to grow into. I do like he's very controlled in his movements, a very fluid athlete. So to Chris's point, like he is a a movable uh, prospect at tight end. He gets placed all over the place, but um, oh, there's just something – I think of all their tight ends on their board, and maybe we can focus on that now, like what their tight end board looks like. So there's a lot of good options. He might be my second favorite. Obviously, Landon Thomas is, is first because he just he moves in a way that you know six four two thirty five probably shouldn't. He looks like a wide receiver out there and is so light on his feet. But uh, I, I think Kalen Fox is number two for me. But they have like five or six guys that they're pretty high on, and, and vice versa, they're pretty high on them. Uh, Zach, do you want to run down the board or at least some of the guys who? we think FSU is kind of narrowing in on right now. Yeah. Well, the next most notable guy is probably um, Walter Matthews. He's listed at six, seven and I believe 230 or 245 pounds. So big dude, top 100 prospects was on campus at Florida state in January, actually scheduled to make it back. Chris reported this on um, he'll be back on April 11th. So I believe that's next Tuesday, right, Chris? Correct. Yeah, so he'll be back for that practice, um, which is good news because he's a big-time prospect. Um, you know, FSU likes him a lot. What do you like about his game, Brendan? Sorry, I was pulling up something else, and I was on mute, so it took me a second to get there. No, uh, 
given given that his size, uh, and I think he might be a little bit shorter than the listed six foot seven, but yeah, still probably about, six five. Yeah, we're talking about six five. Um, he is he uses his frame really well. Like he's very comfortable within that that plus size frame. And a lot of time you're talking about someone who is six five to six seven. Uh, can be a little gangly, and and that's not him. He's pretty filled out already at this point, and just seems to carry the 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 weight really well. Um, goes against the football, big catch radius. Like there's a there's a lot to like about his game because he has that receiving skill set very naturally already. Like I, th- I think that plays at the power five level pretty quickly. Uh, but there's the frame to be a. Chris mentioned this with with Kalen Fox. Like you want someone who can develop into kind of a a versatile like do everything tight end, and I think. I think that's where he kind of his upside probably is is someone who could be an inline blocker at tight end, someone you can leave on the field uh, in every single package that you have because of the athletic upside with the size. Yeah, I want to add like a little bit on his recruitment. I think the main four schools in his uh, recruitment right now are Florida State, Florida, Michigan, and Ohio State. So, you know, the rivals, I guess, going at it. Um, but he visited, I think, UF earlier this month. He was at Ohio State on April 1st. He'll be back at FSU, obviously, next week. And then um, he was also at Michigan recently, I believe, as well. So, yeah, he, he's visited all those schools. And then I you know, probably expect him to take some summer official visits. I don't know his decision timeline, but obviously we'll ask him that next week when he visits. Yeah, and as is consistent with every tight end we've talked about so far, Chris Thompson's played a major role. I think in Fox's case that Alex Atkins has also had a hand in that because that's his recruiting area. But uh, Matthews, when he came in in January with FSU, spent a great deal of time with Chris Thompson, and it seemed to pay off. The next tight end up, I believe we'd all agree, is probably what Hubert Caliste out of New Orleans. Is that the next man? And he's a familiar name on this podcast. We've talked about him a lot. FSU is very early in his recruitment. Part of that is there's some ties there with David Johnson and his son coming up playing football. I think these two have crossed paths as far as playing together and stuff. So that gave FSU a bit of a insight on him before most. If you watch him, he's a lot like a basketball kid playing football, and that's noticeable on the film. His dad played ball, so football is in the genes, but I think he's a little bit more of a late arrival to the playing of football. Uh, FSU early with him, you know, Houston, Indiana, several others have come in. He's up to about a dozen offers now. I expect that to continue to trend up in the spring as more people see him. A little bit shorter than a couple of the other guys we were talking about. He's only about 6'3", 6'4". He's about 240 these days in that ballpark. Kind of got like a power forward body with a little shorter height. I like him. Uh, I think Brendan's one that said he reminds him a bit of Biscuit. There's a little bit of that there. He doesn't set my world on fire like a Landon Thomas, who I think is exceptional, or even Fox's ability to really stretch the field and get down it fast. But if you are taking two in this class or you need a safety net guy, I think he's a perfect option. Yeah, I think if, if he's your number two in the class, you feel great about it. If he's your number one, I, I don't I don't know if it's inspiring. That doesn't mean I, I would dislike it because I do see the value in him. He's got big soft hands and a big frame. And again, there's a lot of Marcus and Douglas biscuit type of vibes to him. They clearly have a type. It, it, they like to use multiple types of tight ends. And this is one of those kind of prototypes. So yeah, I'm, I would, I would be okay if the, he was the only guy in this class. Uh, but I think with what you're aiming for, what's on the board, what potentially exists, uh, it would be a little bit of a, of a disappointment just because there's so much upside and like fun gadget type of guys that are on the board right now too. Yeah. I, I guess one more to note. Um, of that top group of targets is Amir Jackson out of Portal, Georgia. Um, you know, if, if 
if Florida State's going to land anyone in the high school ranks, it's going to be out of a high school called Portal. Um, but yeah, Mir Jackson is is an intriguing prospect, right? 6'5", 218, listed as an athlete on 24-7 sports. But the, the level of competition he plays is, is you know, not super impressive, but he does what he's supposed to do. He absolutely dominates. Um, Brendan, if you want to pull up his film, it's, it's pretty fun. Yep. Um, but Florida State will actually get him on campus for the spring game. That's been a visit that's been set for quite a while now. He was actually supposed to make it in, I think, towards the latter portion of March, but decided to push that uh, visit back to, to the spring game. Miami is a school that's definitely involved with Amir. Um, I think they're Florida as well. Yeah, Florida. He has an offer from Georgia, and I think, you know, he's visited there recently, and they stand pretty high in his recruitment. Tennessee's another offer, um, so he's got some some legit interest from from some big time schools, and and I think Florida State kind of wants to see him in person again. I think they actually you know have been to see him before, but they want to get him on their campus. You know, see his actual measurables, and you know they'll get a chance to do that obviously next weekend at the spring game. So Mayor Jackson, as we mentioned, is from Portal, Georgia. I forget the exact population of that town, but it's not a whole hell of a lot. I'll put it this way. I'm pretty sure we have more subscribers and that town has people in it. Um, it's just not a big place. But it's kind of funny watching his film. He's man amongst boys and most of it because they're playing smaller, lower-level schools because they are a smaller, lower-level school there in Georgia. But really athletic kid gets on the field again. Another guy that can be a flex. Excellent athlete on the football field. On both sides of the ball, it kind of shines some of the stuff that he can do. One last name I'll roll out while we're watching these highlights, Marcavius Collins from Rome, Georgia. Rome, Georgia, former Alabama commitment, decommitted from Alabama. I think that was sort of a mutual party in the ways, as I understand it. He was in at FSU on Tuesday, taking a visit. FSU had offered him almost, I think, two years ago, or at least 18 months. Been a long time kind of recruitment. It was his first visit. He enjoyed himself. You know, after talking about these guys that we have on the board, the athleticism that they bring to the position, some of the different stuff they can do, I think Collins is down that list. You know, I I don't think he's ahead of anybody else that we've talked about here, so I don't I don't think he's due as much attention as the other ones. But he is a name worth noting. The plays here that we're watching, like pretty pretty clear, he's a superior athlete as noted to the level of competition. But like even just like some of the some of the coordination, like to go up and get the football. Um, it's really impressive. I don't know if the one-handed catch has popped up already, but like things that even just being able to do on air is, is pretty freaky. So another high-end upside guy. Uh, this is a really good tight end class regionally, and FSU's positioned itself well for, again, like five or six players. Um, we'll see if they can close on on them, right? Like that, that'll be the – that's what it's all about. But FSU is in a, in a really good spot right now for some guys who are, who are pretty high priorities throughout the region. I think this is the one-handed catch. Oh, no, it's just him blocking someone. Cool. That's it. All right, I'll, I'll close that out. So that's the tight end board. Uh, let's move on to some team stuff right now, and then we'll, we have a couple more recruiting things and then some uh, buyers to know. But we were at Dope Campbell Stadium yesterday. FSU was inside there for practice, a very physical day, a lot of goal line stuff, uh, short yardage situations, some situational stuff where the offense is backed up or the defense gets backed up. Uh, so, so a high competition type of day. Uh, we had fun just watching it. Had fun with Zach getting freaked out about a cockroach too, and then throwing it at Chris once he got the the. the and he bravery. missed me. He How do miss you miss this? Yeah, Zach. It was a long throw, and that was like a plastic cockroach. Hmm. 
All I hear is even, excuses. The, the, the bad thing is that like, it didn't even look like a cockroach. Like it had weird colors and stuff. Like if That's you're gonna what I'm get saying. a thing, I just thought it was like some unique bug that I've never seen before. I'm like, what is that? Is it yours? Is it real? Is it? He was asking like 20 questions. I couldn't respond to any of them. I like I knew after like two seconds it wasn't real, but I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't take a chance. And then the rest of the beat was like also uh looking at you a little odd. You embarrassed me in front of everyone. I missed all of this. I was downstairs working because I'm the adult professional. No, actually, just, I missed all of this. Um all right, let's talk about there was a lot to unwrap there, and I don't want to unwrap any of it. Let's talk about the goal line drills first off, first and foremost. That was a ton of fun. It always is. We got to see it last year. Love it. it it's great. You put the ball at the one-yard line. Basically, it, it's offense gets a chance to score. Defense gets a chance to stop them in one play sample set, uh, and then you do it to the first to 10 points, right? Defense gets a point for a stop. Uh, offense gets a point for scoring. Pretty black and white. Like, there's not a whole lot else to it. It's just who's going to be more physical, who's going to win, and the defense – it was close. It was five to three at one point. I mean, it was really close last year. I think it went, it was like 10 to nine or 10 to eight. I forgot who won, but I remember it being close. Uh, this year, again, five to three at one point. And then the defense goes on a run, wins 10 to three, uh, pretty dominant. Now, mind you, like, I think the message board is, is getting kind of antsy. At least I've seen some questions about the offensive line because last year finishing in the goal line, you had to get creative. You couldn't just always uh, run ahead for, for a couple yards uh, efficiently. So that's kind of the concern. I think that's kind of creeping into some people's subconscious here. But mind you, like the offense had a great scrimmage, or at least the ones did last week with Jordan Travis. And offense had the better Tuesday practice too. I thought that the offense performed and was pretty explosive. So this is kind of, to me, the back and forth that you want to see from a good team where guys are making plays, right? Like that's that's what it's all about. Uh, Chris, I want to get your thoughts on, on the goal line drills, what stood out to you and who were some players who maybe emerged there. Uh, defensively, it was Kalen Deloach, hell of a play, going in the hole, finishing a play, doing a great job. He wasn't the only one. Steven Dix comes to mind. Uh, Tafasi comes to mind as a guy. And Tafasi only plays at one speed. It's kind of enjoyable to watch at this point as he's learning and he's getting more reps, especially for a guy who was a little late to get going in spring. Um, they were some of them. Offensively, Jaheim Bell is a guy, made some plays, did some things. Uh, we know he's a versatile uh, athlete, and it's going to be fun the way FSU uses him in a variety of ways. Uh, but in general, I thought the defense just kind of took it to him at the point of attack. I thought, it, and I thought that was true also at times in eleven on eleven work during the day too. That defensive line can set the tone, and uh, it's an you know we keep repeating that, and it keeps being repeated by the staff. But I do believe it to be true. A lot of different types of bodies. A lot of different types of skills, a lot of ability to do a lot of different things. And they kind of showed up and they keep showing up. And that's probably a very good thing. That's as consistent as we've seen. And that's without the likes of like a Braden Fisk contributing right now. Is he still coming back wearing green, getting back from the offseason surgery he had during the transfer portal season of his uh, college career? So all in all, I was pleased with the defense. I wasn't concerned with the offense. Uh, I think there's things the offense can clean up and make that a little bit tighter battle than they did yesterday. I certainly think they will. And to add on the O-line point that Brendan brought up, you know, I, I think the O-line right now, there's a little bit of mixing and matching cross training uh, groups that not necessarily will be the five that will be playing together if everything's as it should be. So like, yeah. I'm, I'm not worried there. There's a lot of individuals on that O-line who are very talented, very good. 
You know, there's guys like Casey Roddick who's worked at center who I certainly think can be a guard for them and probably changes some of the dynamics here when Marie Smith is at center with maybe a Roddick on his shoulder and then who knows on the other one, maybe Keandre Jones or somebody of that sort changes the dynamics of how you're going to push, try to do things at the line of scrimmage in a short yardage situation. So I'm not worried off what I saw yesterday. I did enjoy it. I think the competitive juices of practices have been outstanding. Uh, I think there's been a great deal of install this spring, and a lot of that's because you return so many guys that have been in this system, and a decent amount of the incoming guys also have a good bit of college experience, so they're able to kind of handle a lot being put on their plate. But it's pleasing to see guys who are more inexperienced at Fossey, for example, who are showing signs of taking things and doing something with it, or guys who are still learning a new language like some of those incoming offensive linemen in the transfer portal doing a good job of handling signals and calls and you know, things they're doing at the offensive line. So all in all, I I have very much enjoyed the spring. I think it's a very good football team, and I thought yesterday was another indication of that. Nothing that happened on that field yesterday was concerning to me. What about you, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, obviously if you're running goal line sets, there's a ton of defensive linemen on the field. So uh, some of those guys or, you know, the opposing guys are going to stand out the most uh, in those goal line situations. And I thought – Obviously, you know, if you can tell by the score, 10 to 3, the defensive line kind of dominated, like you said. I thought Iota Fossey had the most, you know, dominant day of, uh, of any player, maybe. Um, I mean, his 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 good reps were were beyond impressive. Um, pushing offensive linemen back five, six, seven yards um, almost on every play. And he had that one play where he basically stonewalled um, CJ Campbell from from entering the end zone on, on the one-yard line, which is just – for a guy that big to move like that and be that powerful um, is just really impressive. So for him, I thought he was a guy that that really stood out to me. Uh, another defensive lineman who I thought maybe has had his best performance since the first week of spring practice is Daryl Jackson. Um, I mean, he was absolutely dominating on the inside of F- FSU's defensive line, and you know, Florida State's offensive lineman pretty much couldn't stop him um all day i mean he was just a guy that that really stood out um now that brendan's back from his uh brief departure i guess brendan what did you think are we still talking about the goal line drills yeah you just have to guess what we were talking about yeah the defensive line i think i thought kind of con- well i guess it was the entire defense it was it was every single level of it did something well yeah, duke but, cooper had plays deloge dicks yeah so it was well beyond just a d-line uh, Azaria Thomas had a nice hit to end the to end. Hey, uh, DJ Lundy had some good uh, setup blocks as a yeah uh, fullback. And Lundy actually, I believe, on one of the first reps, he met somebody in the hall as linebacker, right? So mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the first showed, or second one. Yeah, not to not to derail Brendan, but it is very nice. The personnel keeps changing offensively and being upgraded, and I believe that allows the creativity in those kind of packages to continue to be upgraded. But I think the goal is also to be able to be sort of more basic for lack of a better term in that and find success something that fsu struggled mightily at times last year with and i think you know even though yesterday the the scoreboard didn't say that i think they are built to be more effective in a basic goal line package well and and this is where it starts in this type of situation is like in the heart of the defense right like your nose tackle your one tech whatever alignment you're in like that that's where it starts and if daryl jackson is going to do uh, what he did yesterday throughout the season, FSU's defense is going to be really good because that was him being a man amongst boys and against some proven interior offense alignment, like guys who've, who've had success at the power five level before. And he was 
pretty damn dominant. So, you know, it, it just goes to show you, like, if you're strong in the heart of the defense, like, that's going to make everything else easier. And what that does is it allows, you mentioned DJ Lundy, Kalen Deloach, Stephen Dix, uh, DeMarco Ward. Like, the linebackers are able to fill, fill gaps and uh, be physical as well. And then uh, even trickles out to the secondary too, like we mentioned. So I think that's what was encouraging to me is I guess both sides were physical, both sides pushing. I, I don't know how many stops there were, like just like an inch or two short of the of the goal line, but probably like three to five to where it could have been totally different. And so your seat is is battling situational awareness, that kind of stuff. So it, it was a lot of fun. And then if we're going to go out to the rest of the practice, uh, Aobami Tafasi, Ao Tafasi, like I thought what he did not just in the goal line, but throughout the entire day was super encouraging. And we've talked about this on, on the pod throughout the spring is it feels like almost every single day, there's a defense alignment who, who shows up and emerges and does something special throughout the course of the day. This was IO's day. Like he, he was excellent throughout. Um, I thought the, the strength at the point of attack, the burst, like there's times where he takes himself out of the play and is too aggressive, but like just the, the pure, like, unfiltered athleticism and power combination uh he will be i don't say he will be he has the chance to be very good uh, all the tools are there and i thought that maybe stood out to me more than any other singular performance or anything else we were able to observe for thursday um you spoke about him so oh, i was i was pooping i don't know yeah oh my god that's on you how long do you think egg salad lasts for why was that the transition? Hey, Moving special on. teams. Oh, let's talk about it. Dane's boy, Tyler Keltner, 51-yard bomb yesterday. He, I'll tell you, when he kicks it, uh, it has a level of oomph and just like velocity. Like just, it just goes up and has this, this height to it, this arc. Uh, yeah. I know that the kicking has, has worried some people, frankly, hasn't given me the the warm and fuzzies either, but uh, he's been really good this week. Tyler Keltner, the the ETSU transfer, and at the very least, like you know, you have a, a long range specialist in your arsenal. I think that's like the baseline that I've taken away from the last week or so. It's like okay, if, if you need someone who who's going to be able to, you have to go for like a fifty five yarder before halftime. Like he's your guy, and he's going to give you like a legit chance at making it. Like you you will have a a 50-50 proposition, proposition probably at a minimum of, of, of making it from out there. Chris, why are you smirking? I'm just an ardent supporter of let's score seven, not three. I just I, – I, I want to take a year off from having to watch field goal kicks. That's all. Okay. Speaking of field goal – field – kids show. Field goal kicks, uh, they, they did a fun, like, pass, punt, throw, long snap competition yesterday afterwards too. I don't think – I don't think we're talking out of turn about talking about that because because Coach Norvell discussed it, but that seemed fun. It was like every single player was on the team was having to try it, all these other jobs that other guys do, and and that was that was fun. Seeing the three hundred pounder try to punt the ball is is a blast. Secret specialist Johnny Wilson. Was he good? Did he win? Yeah. Well, I don't know who won. I don't think we were given a winner, but Johnny had a very nice like one step field goal kick, nailed it right down the middle. L- looked like he'd been doing it for years. I believe he also bombed a punt. So yeah, AJ Dub had a nice kick. Yeah, Jeremiah Byers disclosed to us at I, I don't know eight nine years ago. I think when he was a freshman in high school, so about eight nine years ago, that he he did a little kicking. Uh, back then, he apparently was you know a tad bit smaller than he is these days. So 
yeah, good time. No, it was fun. It, like they beat the hell out of each other for an hour and a half yesterday in both goal line and 11 on. And then they went and had a little fun. And I think it was good. I forget somebody hit like a walk off and guys went celebrating towards the locker room. It brought levity and it gave them a nice introduction to having a long weekend and getting some, uh, well, much needed rest. No scrimmage Saturday because of Easter weekend. They're off till Tuesday. They'll do Tuesday, Thursday, spring showcase next Saturday, which is essentially the last scrimmage. And then they have kind of like a Monday cleanup type of practice where I think they do a little bit more install stuff. And let me tell you, they've done a ton of install this spring. Yeah. Um, I've referenced that earlier in this pod because of the experience back. They've put a ton in and they've worked really hard at it. And the impressive thing to me, maybe more than anybody, is Brock Glenn because he's being told, hey, you got to go do this because everybody else, the other 10 on the offense are going to do this. So you got to do it. And that's a true freshman quarterback. He's done a pretty good job handling it and kind of rolling with the punches. He's had freshman freshman moments, but in general, I've been impressed by how he's dealt with that because they're not scared of putting a lot on his plate because A.J. Duffy and obviously Jordan Travis and Tate Rodemaker have all done it a ton and have a ton of experience in it. So, you know, they're going to go and do it. They're not going to water it down just for Brooklyn. We are quickly coming to the end of spring practice. Pretty amazing. Like it's almost almost done. I think we have enough of a sample size to go through this. Uh, IVB, friend of the show, asked for us to do this. We'll, we'll go through it fairly rapid fire because we'll do a full recap at the end uh, of spring, things we learn, breakdown, stuff like that. But he wanted to know like who the most impressive person at each position has been this spring. Maybe not necessarily the best, like we're not ranking them like in Madden or NCAA, uh, but just someone who's stood out to you at each position group. We'll start at quarterback. Chris, you mentioned Brock Glenn. I, I think that's a really fair uh what he's done has been super impressive, but man, I got to go with Jordan Travis. What yeah. he's what he's done day in, day out, and especially like his best moments have been uh, frankly special. Yeah, I'd agree. I thought yesterday might have been Jordan's uh, least impressive practice, and it wasn't really on him, nor was he bad. Um, he's been consistently really, really good, and he is in complete control of that offense. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be Jordan. Running back, uh, I will go with, I think, now my front runner for King of the Spring based on what he's done this week. Sorry, Zach. I think he's he's on seat of your boy a little bit. I'll go with Rodney Hill. I think Rodney has been what we'd hoped he would be and has shown that he's very much so competing for reps this season. Yeah, I'd, I'd go Hill. Uh, Trey's taken another step, too. I don't want to, you know, not give credit there. I think Trey Benson's been good. And truthfully, that entire room is good. There's not a concern in that room. But Rodney Hill a guy who we were very bullish on a year ago. Yeah. There's reasons we were like, he he's got a whole lot of stuff in that tool bag to go out there and do on the football field. And it's fun to watch. What about you, Zach? Yeah. I mean, when I was first thinking, I, I, I want to be different, but I think Rodney's the correct answer. I mean, he's been, been the most impressive running back through spring ball. Uh, let's see. Let's go to wide receiver, Johnny Wilson for me, pretty clear. And there've been some other, like, uh, you guys might have other other opinions on this. Hopefully you do, because we keep agreeing with a lot of the same things. But uh, there have been a lot of standouts, guys who have emerged, guys who have, have elevated their game or exceeded our expectations. But Johnny Wilson has also exceeded my expectations. He is a improved player from last season and, and certainly an improved player from last spring. He's just becoming this complete wide receiver uh, who does so many different things well. So, yeah, I got to go with Johnny Wilson. He's been the most impressive to me. I'll go with Tron. Um, Johnny's been outstanding and he has taken the next step, but Tron's become much more consistent. I think it's very important. I think he's a kid that looks much more comfortable as a football player, more so than he ever has in his career. 
And the fact that he had stacked several really good practices on top of one another here for a stretch was a really positive sign to me. Tron's an explosive kid who can get down the field, great catch radius, can get up and win balls in the air. He brings a whole lot. If you're having to deal with Johnny Wilson and you want to overplay him, I feel like Tron's become a much more consistent, likely guy to go and get the ball. And, uh, you know, Dre Jacobs has been good. Um, You know, it's calmed down a little bit. But like he's been really good. Go ahead, Zach. Since you stole my king in spring, I'll steal yours. It's Dre Jacobs. I mean, he comes in as a true freshman, as an early enrollee. Looks like a guy that can contribute for Florida State in 2023. So yeah, uh, he's been the most impressive based on expectations. Not to undercut Don't- Zach's point, but but Mike did say it was interesting. Mike Ravel, because I asked him about Hakeem Williams on Tuesday, because I, I think Hakeem has been trending upwards a little bit. But he said he felt like both of the the freshman wide receivers have, have had good moments, but like in the last week or so, they're kind of head spinning a little bit as the install kind of keeps ramping up. But yeah, Hakeem's conditioning looks to be improving, and with that comes better play. Let's go tight end. I'm not entirely sure who I'm going to go here. Um, I think Kyle Morlock for me. I think he's been fairly consistent. He's proven to be a good receiving threat. Uh, Dane's doing a fist pump somewhere, Chris. If you add an E to the end of Brendan's name, it says Brendane, just saying. Uh, Jaheim Bell for me, uh, like it's not always great, but it opens up so many more doors with that offense for what he can do. And he has been very good at moments. Yeah, him on the goal line is pretty fun to watch. They're like, I don't know. I just think like the the personnel they have like for those sets is just really impressive. And I think Jaheim Bell is like the lead role in a lot of that stuff. So yeah, I think he, he's been the most impressive tight end to me, especially like when he works downfield, creates some separation against Florida State's defensive backs. And um, I think he can be obviously a mismatch nightmare um, for other teams in the ACC. Oh, mismatch nightmare. I like that. I usually go mismatch machine or mismatch monster, but like uh, nightmare is good too, Zach. Uh, offensive line. I want to give hat tip. I, I've mentioned him a few times this spring, but he, he has been really good. And I know he's, he's, FSU's impressed with with how he's handled a competition, and that's Darius Washington. He's really responded this spring, moved all over the place, every position you can think of, and, and has handled himself well. Uh, so, so I'll give it to Darius. I think he's been solid, and he's proven, even with the, the newcomers, he's not going to yield a starting spot. He's going to battle for it, and at the very least, like if he's your sixth guy, I think you feel great about it. Uh, and even him being a starter, like he is, he's stepping up as a leader vocally, and, and if he does end up starting, I think it's well-deserved because he's, he's battled and pushed for it. Zach, you go ahead first on this one. Oh, thank you. I'll go Jeremiah Byers. Um, I think he's been he, – he's definitely, I think, Florida State's most talented offensive lineman. Um, that's pretty clear in my opinion. And I think he's a guy that um, is likely going to secure one of the starting spots um, come fall. And, you know, he's been impressive through spring practice. What was the category? Is it most impressive? Most impressive is how it's been defined. So no, wait, I, sorry, top performer. Top performer. Okay, so it can't be Mo Smith because he's been a little bit limited, which Mike Norvell has mentioned here recently. But Mo Smith owns that room now, and it's very impressive to watch. Like he he is the guy that is running that room, and Mo also Smith is Maurice Smith, guys. Yeah, I sorry, think, I'm, I'm. I sorry. think people. I, I think most understand that now, but you're right. I think people yeah, gather that. Zach's just having a little fun with my obsession with useful names. It matters. He he uh, said that we have to use full names in the group chat, but Chris is the only one. He's the only one that doesn't use full names. 
I don't know if he's the only one. He is he is the probably the most frequent violator of I, after Chris said that I always use full names. I use middle names now if I can. My favorite thing to do is when Chris doesn't say a full name, I always guess like random things like who's that? Shocking so, you you'd be instigating. The correct answer is probably Jeremiah Byers. Uh most myths impressed Thank me you. because he has taken ownership of that room. It's kind of become his time and he's there. I still believe he'll be your starting center when the day rolls around. And a third guy I would mention because he has trended up recently is Bless Harris. Yeah, he's he definitely looks like he's kind of got his feet back under him, that he's back in football shape, feeling pretty comfortable there. And he's reminding us why he won a starting job last year. Yeah, it has to be Jeremiah Byers for Chris. I mean, you said he wanted well, him to impregnate I, I, I don't <laughs> think I went quite that far. I wasn't far off from that, but we didn't go quite that far, I think. I hope not, at least. I don't know. I think court mandate says I can't say this. Um, Lucas Simmons deserves a little bit of a head, uh, a tip of the cap too. Cause I think there's, there's a lot of potential there and some really good reps. It's just, it's, it's not consistent right now, but like, I think it, you hit a home run on that one. He'll, he will be very good. So, um, offensive line. Hey, we mentioned like four or five guys. That's a good thing. Growth, baby steps. Uh, let's go to edge defender, uh, in terms of it being most, uh, or top performer. I mean, verse. Versus I think it's Patrick Payton. That was the other one I was going between. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason the coach is saying his praises as much as they did after scrimmage one. And he continued to do that after scrimmage one. He's been outstanding. He's taken a massive next step and he's ready to be a dude opposite of Jared Verse. Defensive tackle. We got a lot of candidates here. I will start the bidding with Josh Farmer because I think he's been the most consistently high end of anyone this spring. And uh, frankly, much needed because you thought you have really good depth, and he's probably like the linchpin of it being strong depth, and and he's risen to the occasion. And, and yeah, so I'm gonna go Josh Farmer. He looks really good, very strong, very very strong. Yeah. Some some Timmy Jernigan vibes there. It was scrimmage two where he was dominating, correct? Yeah, with him. But yeah, I think they're so. talking about the whole that whole week, Chris. Like it wasn't just the scrimmage two. Yeah, Daryl Jackson's probably had some of the best moments, but he's peaks and valleys. There's good and there's bad moments. Um, Josh has been a more consistent guy, and I, I think that's probably where it falls, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go Daryl Jackson just because I think his best is better than pretty much anyone on the roster. Um, and obviously, like Chris said, there are some peaks and valleys in his game, but I think week one, Daryl Jackson, if you can tap into that, you know, over 50% of the time, I mean, you're getting a guy that's got high-end NFL upside. Uh, Braden Fisk, I will say just racing Mike Norvell, uh, we'll, we'll get an honorable mention for what he can be. Um, yeah, he, I think he will be good. And not just based on that, but uh, he, he's someone that I'm very excited about. Let's go to linebacker. Uh, I think, I mean, Kalen Deloach was very good. Uh, as a yesterday, and he's been he's been good throughout the spring. I thought yesterday was the fastest I've seen him move, just like instinctually and asserting himself. It was throughout like an entire practice. He he just kept standing out. I don't know if I can go top performer here for him, but like I've just Demarco Ward has impressed the hell out of me. It's Brendan Gant. Brendan Gant. Gant has had some really good moments. Yeah, I think he's I think- a guy that that's really um, stepped up. This spring, um, I think they were probably trying to challenge Omar Graham a little bit more. I think Brennan Gant's like really impressed, and he can probably be a guy for you that, um, you know, on certain packages. I mean, he's an athletic dude, he can be all over the field, and he's a guy that, um, 
I think Florida State really likes and thinks uh, can be a weapon for them on the defense. And he's just like Brendan said, like impressed multiple times this spring. Dynamite calls. I'll go with Kalen. What? (laughs) What? I'll go with Kalen Deloach. I think he's been uh, outstanding. He looks like the starter linebacker he should be. I, I will also praise DeMarco Ward because he's done a very good job, especially for a guy being thrown in fire as a true freshman. And then with Omar Graham, the thing I would say with him is that they put a lot more on him. I think he's done a pretty good job responding. I think they really like Omar. Omar definitely has it up here uh, in the skull. He knows what he's doing. I, and I feel like athletically he's fine. It's just got to all come together for him. I think the spring he's been pushed very much to get there. And I think the spring will have a great deal of benefit for him as he goes back and looks at it and prepares for the season. So, but the answer for me is Deloach. I'm going to Loach too, actually. Okay. No take backs. I just saw a giant hornet. It was like, like that. Are we doing corners and safeties or just defense? Yeah, let's, we got spring because, because Adam Fuller, the man of takeaways, wants you to know they're just defensive backs. I think Adam's very bright. I'm going to say that there's a difference between safety and corner. I disagree. All right. So corner. Go ahead, Zach. Corner. All right. Top corner for me has been Bernardo Green. I think he is cornerback one. You know, I think other guys have come on a little bit recently. I think Fentrell Cypress has um, impressed, especially within the last like two weeks or so. Um, He's definitely been more impressive than he was earlier on in spring ball. Um, but I think Renardo Green's been Mr. Consistent at that position and the guy that's really carried over, um, you know, some of what he did on the field in, in 2022 into spring ball and hopefully into 2023. What about you, Brandon? Kind of I'm going back and forth. It's, it's kind of nice because I think there's like four or five guys who like you can legit think about here and, and have a good point. Like Jarian Jones has been good. Gritty Vance has been awesome in one-on-ones. Relative to expectations, I'll go Quind- Quindarius Jones. Um, maybe not the top performer of the group because he's probably not going to be in the, the top of the rotation. But he he did something yesterday, like where he he legitimately boxed out Johnny Wilson and fought through the hands to to have a deflection. And he does that about like once a week to Johnny. Like he he's highly competitive. They hit on him. Like he will have a chance to contribute by the end of of this upcoming season. So I think relative to expectations, like top performer. Uh, he just he's, he comes to mind as I was going through those guys over and over again in my in my brain, Chris. I, I think I'd land it on on Q Jones. It's funny. I don't think we mentioned J Dub, and he's also been pretty good this spring. I'm going with Greedy Vance, uh, kind of similar to my response on Tron. He's the guy that's gone from being good in moments to more consistently good. I think that's a really positive sign. With Kevin Knowles limited this spring, he's done a little bit more nickel, and they've kind of rotated guys in and out of the nickel spot versus corner. But I think Greedy's done a really good job of showing. Like if they want to put him there again this year, that he has taken the next step to play that position at a higher level. So I feel real good about where Greedy is. Uh, safety. I don't know if anyone's like lit my world on fire there. I guess Duke Cooper, because of like, there's an emergence and and it fills a potential need for you to where you can maybe have some flexibility. Like I was hoping that Shaheen Brown, there's been good moments from him, but that like we would, he would kind of assert himself this preseason uh, or sorry, this uh, spring camp. And he, he hasn't quite done that. Uh, so I guess I'll go with Duke Cooper. That- yeah. If you listen to Adam Fuller's post scrimmage comments, you'll, you'll hear that he, there's a little frustration with the safety. It's not that they've been bad or anything of that sort, just that he's expecting more and it's time for more. Um, I, I, I think I would lean Duke Cooper. Um, Shaheen, 
I, I still think Shaheem and Den are probably your most likely two guys to own the first role, but Duke's making it a little bit interesting. I'll put it that way. I think it's Shaheem. Um, he's an explosive football player and a guy that I think is going to fill in Jamie Robinson's role really well in Florida State's defense. I think the biggest thing with Shaheem, not to sidetrack us, is like the explosive play capability, the ability to play to all directions of the field at a high velocity are excellent. Great qualities about him. I think it's more about let's not allow some of that to create big explosive plays for the offense because of a mistake. I think that's the one area where Shaheem still has to progress and get to. And it takes guys times, but like Jamie was so phenomenal at not allowing the big mistake. I think that's where Shaheem still has to take another step personally. And also feeling like, I think I saw this once or twice yesterday where yeah, the athletic ability is certainly there uh, processing and, and a little quicker. And I think knowing exactly like to trust himself like that he's reading the thing correctly there was one play that went out to the flat and he saw it he didn't trigger on it right away and that ended up like creating enough of a, a gap where uh the little dump off pass was able to go for a nice chunk gain rather than it being sniffed out right away it was just you know he has the ability to get there he saw it it was just he didn't go and react right away so that'll come with reps and more experience you would think and and coaching and all that pretty high level at florida state so it's just going to take a little while i think for shaheem um but like Adam Fuller said, like and it does have to be now. Like it has to be consistent progress because uh, they lose their the best player they lost this season was at safety or from this past season was at safety and it falls on Shaheen Brown to be the one to to really replace him. So, all right, that was a good exercise. That was a good recap and, and refresher of like what we've observed and, and seen this spring as it's starting to kind of come to an end in the next week or so. Uh, let's go to uh, back to recruiting. FSU got a commitment. A lot of uh, a lot of interesting responses on the on the message board on what was it Tuesday evening, Monday evening. Monday when did evening. I write? Monday evening. I wrote a, a thing on FSU's linebacker offers in in the recent uh, splurge of them. They've had six in the last I think two months, and they have offered more guys in this recruiting cycle than they did two previously, and they're almost at where they were this past cycle at linebacker. So it's an expansion of the board, uh, somewhat of an expansion nationally. But one of those guys that they offered in that time uh, was, was someone more in their recruiting footprint, a place where they, they frequently go, which is South Florida. And that was linebacker Jaden Parrish. He was unranked at the time of his commitment, which started uh, all the Randy special comments and, and whatnot on the message board. Uh, I will push back on that a little bit. But let's talk about Jaden Parrish a little bit as I pull up the, uh, the highlights here. I guess who wants to start off with the, the commitment and, and the thoughts on that? Chris, I'll, I'll throw it to you as I pull up the highlights here. So he's from Delray Beach, Atlantic. He's listed at 61210. He referenced in the time of his commitment when I spoke to him that evening that he, uh, you know, was in communication with Randy Shannon, had built a strong relationship with him. He came to a game last year. He'd been dealing with FSU for several months before the offer came here recently. And he just wanted to jump on the offer. It was the place he wanted to be. He had some other P5 offers. I think Indiana, for example, is one. A couple others beyond that. Uh, Auburn was one of the main suitors in there as well. FSU likes him because it's exactly what Randy Shannon seemingly likes, a guy who is a decent enough thumper who makes a lot of tackles. He can play to all angles of the field, and that's what they want to get. 247 has since ranked him. I believe he's the number 54 over linebacker, overall linebacker in their rankings. He's ranked as an 87, so a high three-star um, in the upper portion of three-stars. 
And that's where he sits. I think that's a fair ranking. I, I like the kid. I don't love the kid, but I've also come to accept that there's a certain kind of linebacker that I think Randy Shannon FSU values. And that's what they're taking here. And on the whole Randy special, all that chatter, which I'm not a big fan of playing that game. Always got to be remembered. Mike Norvell is the head of the personnel department at FSU. He, he approves offers. He approves commitments. He is a guy that's going to do it. None of this is freelance individual work, nothing done unilaterally in this program at all. So, you know, it, it's not solely Randy Shannon that's greenlighting Jaden Parrish. And, and they have a bigger scouting department than they've ever had, too. So, yeah, the idea that it's just it's someone acting singularly, I think, is a disingenuous approach that some some readers are, are taking. I understand that there have been timing issues before with linebacker recruiting and uh, feeling like there's not enough urgency, and then all of a sudden you're you're taking a guy who maybe is further down on the board or newer on the board. Like I, I think that is a legitimate concern. This take here, and I'm not telling you it's a home run hire or a home run hire, a home run take, a home run commitment. But what I am saying to you is that that uh, Jaden Parrish is not a rushed deal. It's not a massive reach either. Chris mentioned the 87 grade that he got after committing. This is someone who's about 215 pounds, runs a, a low 4740, like electronically. Like he is a legitimate athlete, instinctive, as you're seeing here. Uh, he has good range. It's um, There's a lot to like about his game. Does he have a high upside? I don't think so. Does he have a high floor? Yes, I, I do think so. And um, I, I think FSU did a nice job of finding someone who, frankly, like other schools that have offered recently, are good evaluators defensively. Uh, Indiana offered, I think, in the last couple of weeks, and they're going to have linebackers drafted in back-to-back -back years. Kentucky offered. They uh, Stoops knows defense as well as anyone. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not – I think some of the hand-wringing on this is a little overblown, as long as this isn't your top linebacker commit in the class. I think that's the, the main caveat is this is your second or third now we've said this before about other times, especially linebacker like Omar Graham a couple of years ago. Like, uh, I get it. I get that people have been hurt before, but I don't think I think there was some overreaction going on uh, on Monday evening. Yeah, I think Brendan, your point is kind of what I wanted to say. Is I just think the biggest thing is he can't be your top linebacker uh, in the class. Like that's just got to be um, the standard of of how Florida State's operating moving forward. Um, they've got you know, guys that are blue chip targets, I think about two of them right now uh, on the board. Um, but did that ref just get knocked yeah, out? Yeah, I'm going, I'm going back. I need to see what happened there. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, yeah, basically what I'm saying is I think Florida State just <laughs> – Oh, he's got – dude, that's brutal. Sorry for the podcast crowd, but this ref just got absolutely destroyed. Um, he got like – there's no way his knee didn't get torn in half, right? He looks like he's fine. Mm. I don't know. We don't actually see him get up. One more time. Oh, man. That's brutal. Okay. Well, yeah. I Florida State needs to go and get a blue chip linebacker to add to this class. Um, I don't know who that's going to be right now. The the top two targets I know of that are probably both takes at this moment are Edwin Spillman out of Tennessee, who just named Florida State in his top six. I think he's probably leaning towards Tennessee, um, but we'll see on that. Um, and then uh, Peyton Pierce out of Texas visited here once for Legacy Weekend. We'll see if Florida State can get him back on campus, but he's a really talented prospect, top two four seven type that that FSU likes and um, would definitely be a take right now in their class. I, I think maybe 
the what was the most I don't want to say disappointing. I guess the part that lacked inspiration to me with this take, and I think if I am going to be critical of it, is with the expansion of the linebacker board that we we have seen. Some of the offers have gone out, even some of the guys who've been on campus. It, it to me has looked like oh, there's a change into the prototype a little bit. Uh, in terms of like what the what the skill set is and kind of expanding about what like Randy Shannon typically likes and not that it's a bad thing like Tatum Bethune plays like you're right that guy that guy works at this level when you are uh, strong and quick and in space and instinctual like that all works for you Um, but like you were starting to see some guys that could really open up and run and more safety hybrids and you kind of went back to like what you what you already know Uh, and again like I I think there is some athleticism here with Jaden Parrish that doesn't show up on tape necessarily that is reflected in, in some testing stuff like that, that does point to maybe more upside than we think. Uh, but I guess that would be my main thing is I thought they were going with the, a, a more speedy modern type of linebacker. And, and that's maybe not what Jaden Parrish looks like to me. Is that fair? Yeah. Um, Chris, Chris is smiling, which always makes me. It was a weird timing. I, right? I just, the, the timing was a little weird. We talked about how FSU hasn't been in a rush to take commitments during the spring as they posted a boatload of kids. Obviously, they took Tremel Jones, a 2025 quarterback recently, but quarterback's a little bit different. That relationship was pretty extended. But, uh, yeah, the the fact that Jaden kind of came out uh, to some degree out of nowhere on Monday evening was sort of like, oh, yeah, that's the one. That's that's how this happens. So, yeah, there was that. And, on, I mean, Randy's got his type. Like, uh, I I think there has to be a certain level of acceptance to it and let's see how it plays out in the portal era. You know, if it doesn't work as far as a kid that's on your roster, you can motivate them to move on and then you can go and acquire somebody that maybe helps fix that, resolve that issue. That's not me saying Jaden Parrish won't be good or will be good. It's just a matter of that's the reality of how these situations now work. You're no longer married to a kid truly for five years. Especially like, I mean, I won't say especially, but but linebacker is a position that you can find in the transfer portal and and have some success with. Like the the top guy who probably is going to get drafted this year is Drew Sanders from Arkansas, who is a transfer. Um, yeah. Mohamed, Mohamed Daibadi uh, from from Utah, Mike Jones from LSU. Like those guys transferred out from other. There's schools. rarely, well, I mean, aside from a guy like Harold Perkins at LSU, there there are rarely true freshman linebackers that can come in and play right away. Whereas if you're getting a guy out of the tri- out of the portal, I mean, they're in a college strength and conditioning program for a year or two. They're bulked up. I mean, it's just an easier transition. So I do agree that the transfer portal is a, a really nice way to, to add, especially linebacker prospects to your roster. But I don't think that – I don't agree with Chris's point about having to accept that these players are just Randy's type and that just, you know, we have to accept it. Like – I think Florida State should be recruiting guys that are going to help them win ACC championships and national championships. And I've said this before. I don't know if it's on this podcast or with, you know, AB and Kev, but Florida State was recruiting absolute dogs at linebacker um, in, you know, in all those, you know, 2010 through 2013 years. And they had guys that were just absolute difference makers. And, you know, I love the guys currently on the roster. They do certain things really well. But they don't have those types of players, you know, on their recruiting board or on their roster right now. And I really want to see that change. And I don't think the current way of like, I think Randy Shannon is a really good coach, but I just, I don't think that I personally, I don't think Florida State needs to accept that or wants to accept that that's the type of linebacker they have to recruit. And I'm not trying to knock Jaden Parrish. He can be a really good player at FSU, but I'm just saying in general, I think that the overall 
talent level of that position recruiting. And we we talked about this on the on that last pod. I mean, yeah, two. I mean, I, okay, I think the way we summer a little a little a little history lesson for young Zachary. Just just so you know, so the two starting linebackers, Chris, who were the starting linebackers on the 2013 Natty team? Uh, Telvin Smith and uh, God, I'm just was it Northrop? I got it for you, Terrence Smith. Terrence Smith. Thank Terrence you. Smith, who had, had a nice uh, career in the NFL. Um, Telvin obviously had a, had a pretty stellar one too for for a time. Terrence Smith grade composite, eighty nine overall. Yeah, and Terrence, if I recall correctly, Terrence Smith was a Damian Craig get. I believe Craig knew the family well, had a long term relationship, and had played a role. If I recall correctly, North Georgia kid um, had family ties like Clemson stuff too. Uh, and then mm-hmm. Telvin Smith was a ninety three grade. Uh, what's yeah, Blake so a blue chip prospect? Is what what's Blake Nicholson? A ninety two, I believe. Ninety four for us. Ninety two composite. Ninety two. 0.84 or 92.84, so almost a 93. My point is they're not recruiting linebacker at a, at a totally different level than they have uh, when they were rolling them out. Like it, it's not a – I think a lot of this is a narrative that's overblown. Is Randy an elite recruiter? No. Is he a, a great recruiter? I don't think so. Is he a very good football coach with X's and O's and knowing what he's looking at and developing linebackers? Yeah. So like – they're not going to all be elite recruiters guys. Like, and if you want it to be amped up a little bit, I understand that. I think that's reasonable. Um, but I, I think it gets magnified. Like the deficiency gets magnified. I think that's what, what we collectively like as FSU fans do sometimes. I also think linebacker from a broader spectrum of view is still a position ranked for the good old fashioned. Oh, he looks great. He runs great downhill. He thumps people really hard. It's important. And, that yes, filling gaps and finishing plays is a hugely important part of the position. But that position has also changed as offenses have gotten more spread heavy, running guys around, taking tight ends and turning them into big receivers and stuff like that. And you need people that can play to all parts of the field. And I don't know that in the evaluation process that's as valued as it should be at this point with some guys. Um I, yeah, I mean, and going back to you know, you mentioned the the recruiting grades of those guys, but like their measurables are just like Tevin Smith is a 6'3", 220-pound linebacker who can move all over the field. Yeah. Um, Terrence Smith and, was – And we try to kill was, you. Yeah. Terrence Smith was 6'4", uh, 230 pounds, um, and he had a great amount of athleticism. So, you know – Yeah, but it's, it's a different – I mean, again, different. Like Terrence Smith ran a 4'7", 40-yard dash. Electronic. Jaden Parrish runs faster than, than – He's Terrence three inches – and again, it's a different type of yeah. player. Like you're you're recruiting a different type of guy in a different era of football. That's what I'm trying to say. You're trying to say that they weren't recruiting dogs anymore. I'm telling you, like from what like the skill set is different. The the caliber of linebacker they're currently recruiting is not markedly different than it was for the guys who were playing in the national championship team. I think it is absolutely factually. It's not. We're ranking them. We haven't graded. And they're saying I... it's the same. I thought me and Zach summarized this well in our last discussion. If you're going about off it. just recruiting grades, then yeah, I mean, of course. The, the I, big, like, it, I asked him if he wanted to see the uptick at this position that we've seen with tight end in this class being recruited currently, and the answer is yes. And I agree with that. I have no issue with that. I just also think sometimes some narratives are beat over the head till we're senseless. We're I don't think out. people should be going at like Randy for this. It's not like, you know, the, the linebacker recruiting can get better and they do have blue chip prospects on the board. I just want to see an overall improvement of it. It's also not just Randy. 
Like that that's the thing that like I I'm humored by with all of it. Like nothing done on this football team is just this guy. Alex Atkins has done a phenomenal job fixing the O-line, but like Mike Norvell has played a huge role in that. Heck, guys like Gabe Fertitta and Coop that work with Alex have played a role in that. And that's not to diminish what Alex has done. Alex is a phenomenal out of this world recruiter. But this football team operates in recruiting as a group. Derek Sorry, Ray, Mike Norvell, that support staff, guys that are on the field, you know, Austin Tucker's a guy that we mention quite often in recruiting updates, especially with Alabama kids. He's a massive reason FSU gets those kids on campus a lot of times. There's a whole lot of people playing a role. And like I, I just I don't enjoy the narrative and not from any of us right here, but some people that think like Randy Shannon's just gone rogue and is doing whatever the hell he wants. It's just not true. It's not the case. I think we're all saying very similar things uh, from each other, just in different ways. So we can move on. Oh, last point on linebacker. If you want to go in the portal and get one. Yeah. The top 10 guys ranked in uh draft Bible subscription service. I, I use uh, of the top 10 inside linebackers. One, two, three, four, five, half of them were transfers. So I think that's a position where if you have to FSU starting linebacker right now, one of them is, is a transfer. You can go find a guy who's, who's competent there. It's not a position that is like defensive end or, or quarterback or, or cornerback. You can go find capable guys pretty easily there. Uh, let's move on. Last thing I want to talk about, I promise buyer Sonone sponsored by the Turner group. group. The Turner group. Uh, and what I'm going to do is give them a full buyer Sonone episode because we're an hour and 10 minutes in. We haven't started it yet. And the questions on the board are legitimately excellent. So I say what we do is punt it till Monday. We'll do it on Monday when there's not going to be a whole lot of weekend content anyways, because Easter, no recruiting stuff, no practices, no scrimmages. We'll do a full buyers to own sponsored by the Turner Group on Monday because you guys came strong with the questions. Uh, so let's just focus on finished what? what? You just gave us a kiss of death. There's not going to be anything this weekend. And then suddenly there is everything. It's Easter. Listen, if anyone's entering the transfer portal on Easter, I'll get their butt. Um Good show. Uh, let's go to finals recruiting notes. It was a very active weekend. Chris and Zach and Dane were, were on top of it. Or I said weekend, week. It was a full week of a lot of visits, including a particular blue chip prospect who we want to talk about. So let's finish up the next like 10, 15 minutes of the pod going into uh, some of the prospects who were on campus and, and the significance of these developments. Zach, uh, let's start off with the headliner from, from a few days ago. Yeah, five-star defensive back KJ Bowman finally made it back to campus after not being on campus since July of 2021. Um, so this is a guy that Florida State's been recruiting for quite a while, but things really fell off between the two sides um, over, you know, the last year or so, just because, you know, mainly the the on-field results, but I just don't think, you know, the two sides were communicating, communicating all that much. But once Patrick Sertan Sr. got hired as FSU's new defensive backs coach in January, Florida State really kicked things off with KJ Bolden again. The communication picked up, and a, 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 an unofficial visit, multi-day visit, was scheduled for um, April. So he he got here on Monday morning and stayed uh, all the way into Tuesday afternoon. Um, watched Florida State's Tuesday practice, and you know spoke to media afterwards. I guess the the most no noteworthy thing is that you know he said he's going to uh, announce his official visits plans. Um, later in the month of April. And just from looking at it, looking at his recruitment, um, Florida State's pretty much battling it out for two spots. So I think Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia are pretty likely to get three of those OVs. Alabama, 
Auburn, Arkansas, and Florida State are the schools that are battling out for the final two. To me, for KJ Bolden, I think the most important thing is you have to get you have to lock down one of those OBs. If you don't, I don't think FSU should you know waste any more time and resources on that recruitment because it's just very it's not likely to happen. I mean, he's getting recruited by the top teams in the, the country, the best recruiting schools in the country, and and if you can't lock down one that one of the official visits, um, I don't see KJ Bolden ending up in FSU's class. You know, he could come unofficially. You know, how much does that really matter? Um, you know, he did mention, you know, if he doesn't officially visit, he, you know, wants to see some of the games uh, this upcoming season because he is an FSU fan. He grew up a, a fan of the school, said it was his dream school. And kind of there was a quote where he talked about how he watched every game last season and, and talked about he, he used the words we a lot and us um, you know, in talking about that. So thought that was noteworthy. But yeah, like I said, the, the goal over the next couple of weeks has to be for Florida State to lock down one of those OBs for KJ Bolden. Um, I think if they do, they've got a shot. If they don't, you know, I, I don't really view them as a legit contender for him. Contenders would be what? Ohio State and Georgia leading the list? Yeah, Ohio State, his cousin is the safeties coach at Ohio State. So it's like literally works out perfectly. He's a safety. Um, he's going to go to a, one of the top schools in the country. And his he has literal family at that position. Um, so um, and the cool note that AB shared on the board. So that coach, I forget his name. Um, I don't have it right now, but um, he coached uh, receivers at Central Arkansas when Mike Norvell was there. <laughs> he coached Mike Norvell. Um, let me look. But yeah, Wait, Perry, so Perry Eliano. Got to yeah. be like in his 50s? Yeah, he's Perry Eliano is his name. Um, okay. and, um, and AB found in his bio. So it's, he said, Eliano coached wide receiver Mike Norvell at Central Arkansas. Norvell is the school's all-time leading receiver and is now in his third season as head coach at Florida State after a successful run at Memphis. That's in his bio at Ohio State. So that, that's pretty cool. But anyway, yeah, so there's the connection to Ohio State for KJ Bolden. And then Georgia, obviously the in-state school, two-time reigning national champions, and they've been in on him for forever. Alabama hosted him the day after FSU. So on Wednesday, he'll be at Auburn again this weekend. Um and I think he's maybe getting to Oregon soon as well. A couple other Tuesday visitors to talk about. Elijah Moore, big receiver from Maryland, came in. He spent uh, Tuesday into Wednesday at FSU. He enjoyed himself, spent a lot of time with Ron Dugan. They talked to him about being a big receiver. Obviously, pretty big board there for FSU at receiver. I think he's further down that board, but good to get him on campus. He's a kid that had planned that visit for a good while, and he actually showed up. Offensive tackle Jordan Floyd from the Peach State. We've documented that offensive linemen, especially offensive tackles in the high school ranks this year, just not a ton of them that are really, really good, really high level. So very good for FSU to get him back in. Uh, another offensive lineman that was in was Daniel Jones from Vedosta Lounge. He's been a regular around here. Not a kid that I think ever gets an offer, but he could ultimately be maybe a PWO candidate. He's a physically a very impressive looking kid. Earlier when we chatted about tight ends, we talked about Martavius Collins of Rome, Georgia, the former Alabama commitment. And the other kid I'll have Zach talk about him because he followed up on him a little bit more than I did was D.D. Holmes, defensive lineman from John Papuchas' recruiting area up in the DMV. First visit down here. What did you get on D.D.? Yeah, so I checked in on him and kind of Florida State's interest in him. And I was told he's at like near the top Florida State's priority list uh, at you know among edge defenders in the 2024 recruiting class. I mean, this guy came down visited on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then left Thursday morning. So, 
you know, more than a two-day visit for him at FSU, got to watch the Tuesday practice, stayed all day on Wednesday to meet with the staff and undergo, you know, the normal recruiting visit stuff, um, and then, you know, left on uh, Thursday morning. So spent a great deal amount of time around the staff. It was basically a, an official visit type schedule for him because of how long he was on campus. Um, but yeah, FSU likes this kid a lot. 6'6", 240 pounds out of Washington, D.C., Gonzaga High School, the number 287 overall prospect in the country, number 31 defensive lineman. Um, main recruiters, John Papuchis, they spent a, a lot of time together on the visit. And, uh, you know, I, I heard that the, the trip went very well. I'm still looking to catch up with with Didi for a full story. I'm hoping to do that today, actually. But, yeah, um, heard it. Heard the visit, uh, you know, FSU knocked it out of the park and they're going to look to host him again this summer. So fast forward to Thursday, which at the time of recording this was yesterday. FSU has their in-dope practice, which was a nice added bonus for visitors. We opened up today talking a ton about Landon Thomas, so we're going to skip over him. I think the next most important 2024 high school prospect that was there was probably Micah Danzi, local speedster from Florida State University School, FSUS, over here in Tallahassee. Micah is not only a football kid, he is also a track kid. FSU did a good job of infusing both of those sports into this visit. I believe he was accompanied by his mother as well as his grandfather on this visit. He's been on campus several times, obviously being a local, has a great deal of knowledge on it. FSU's worked very hard to build a strong relationship there. On the player, he he's called an offensive athlete. To be more specific, think Lawrence Tolfilly, kind of a versatile running back who can also be a receiver type, definitely get you downfield, stretch the field, catch the ball, use the elite level speed that he has, go ahead, break away, and run. I thought one funny thing, not funny thing, but interesting thing yesterday was track and field got a commitment from a track-specific kid. And Zach got to looking up the kids' times just because, well, that's Zach and that's how he's wired. And then we look at Danzy's times and, you know, FSU's taking a commitment from a pretty high-level South Florida track kid, but Danzy's times are drastically better. So he's not solely a football kid. He is truly a very good yeah. track athlete. What do you want to add on him, Zach? Yeah, just that the fact that he says track will play a big factor in his recruitment. He says he definitely wants to do both at the next level. And before Florida, uh, he met with Florida State's football uh, staff on Thursday, he went right over the track um, and they spent uh, over an hour there with that staff and kind of just talking um, you know, to, to Danzy and his family. And then he made his way over to football and they started that portion of the visit. But that was that's crucial for him. And that's something that he really cares a lot about. And like you said, he is an elite level track athlete, um, performed very well recently at the FSU relays. Um, they hold, held that a few weeks ago. And he's a guy that, that Florida State absolutely wants in their football class as well. I mean, he's a like you said listed as an athlete and that's an important designation because I'm told FSU does want two running backs um, aside from, from Danzy. Um, obviously he'd be kind of bunched into that group, but not as a traditional running back. I think the other two, obviously Cam Davis, who are, who's committed right now. And then Christian Clark was uh, a guy mentioned to me as a guy that's really surged up the board for Florida state as much, you know, as far as how much they like him, obviously he has the connections. Um, like we talked about on the last podcast to to FSU um, with his uncle, you know, playing here in Kenny Felder and then his mom attending school here. And then Jordan Lyle from St. Thomas Aquinas, the four-star running back, is another top option as a guy they want to add. Um, but Danzy's a huge priority. Miami and Florida uh, are the other two schools he listed as, as the biggest threats right now um, in his recruitment. And he says he wants to take official visits to all three of those schools over the summer before making a decision uh, likely prior to his senior season. 
Brandon, you got anything you want to add on 24 kids? No, nothing right now. You guys touched on it pretty well. Um, All right. So I'll, I'll hush you back up. Sorry, buddy. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was I was going to wrap us up here. I figured that's Wait, where we were going. There's one more. Well, we don't forget talk, about Cutter. Yeah, I was going to say you got to talk about Cutter Bowley, five star 2025 quarterback. Plus, Cutter Bowley is the most Cutter Bowley looking individual I've ever seen. Like he does look like a Cutter Bowley, and you picture something, and that's what it looks like. I mean, it's, it cracks me up. Cutter's a cool kid. Met him last March when he came to FSU for the first time. He was back this time with mom, dad, I think some others. Definitely seemed to have a very good time. Cutter can dish it around the field. His stats are phenomenal. Plays in Kentucky. Very talented kid. Um, I think there's legit interest there. FSU has a pretty expansive board for 25 quarterbacks. It's a good, not great class. But a guy like Cutter Bowley, uh, you know, Butter Tolson, George McIntyre, those are some tier one type quarterbacks for me in that class. FSU obviously already took a commitment from Tremel Jones, but I don't think they're out of the market entirely. So, Zach, handing off to you, what – did you learn about Cutter on this visit? And what were your takeaways from chat with him at the conclusion of it? I don't know whose name I like better, Butter or Cutter. Um, but anyway, yeah, Cutter's I think Cutter because I think it's his actual name. Butter's a nickname. Yeah, Butter's a nickname. But yeah, Cutter is his real name. Um, no, but yeah, so Dane Draper caught up with Cutter Bowley, did an excellent job um, with that interview. It's actually on the Nose 7 YouTube channel, also on the site. Um, and in his interview, he basically said um, his family kind of uh, – wanted to vacation down in Florida right now for a spring break. They're over in Santa Rosa beach. So, you know, about a two hour drive um, west of Tallahassee, they kind of built this trip around visiting Florida state on Thursday. This has been in the works um, since January when I actually spoke to cutter at the battle Miami tournament. Um, and, you know, he's been looking forward to it. I think that the most noteworthy thing of his interview was that he said that he's going to drop a top 10 list soon and that Florida state sits in the top half of it. Really good question by Dane to kind of see where FSU fits in the mix for him. And then he said that he wants to come back in the summer to throw at a camp and get some work in with Coach Tony Tokars, a guy that, like you said, he has a great relationship with. So um, that'll be pretty exciting if we get to, to cover, you know, Cutter um, at one of FSU's quarterback camps over the summer. That, that I think that's probably um, a really, you know, cool thing for a quarterback and probably a cool thing for Tony Tokars as he gets to evaluate um you know a possible addition to, to the 2025 class in person a couple other guys peyton joseph rayshawn dinkins we're not going to talk about them here but we will have updates from them on the side they're both 25 kids one's an o-lineman and big p peyton joseph and then rayshawn dinkins is a safety defensive back that fsu was first on collected i think nine interceptions there in south georgia last year they were both on campus yesterday as well so Is keep Nicholas your eyes joseph chris peyton joseph oh peyton joseph big okay, p big All p right. Big P. I, he said a lot of, all, the yeah. P stands for personality. Dude's got a ton of it. You, he said FSU is his number one school. There you go. Had to get that in yeah. there. Uh, do you remember Carl Joseph, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, it would hit you like a ton of bricks. Played at West yeah. Virginia. Kicked some people's asses in college ball. It was fun. I think his nickname was Pig. Yeah, it was. It was. Or was, or was, it all, that, or was this high? All, all, all was Pig. You're right. It was Pig. That was way before Zach's time. God, that, that's long ago. We're going back. All right. You so old heads. more recruiting updates to come on dolls247.com. Uh, before we get out of here, two things. One, I'm going to go get a new phone today. I was scrolling through my current phone. I was went back into the very first week of photos that I had. It was Willie Taggart's Saturday Night Live camp with Kayvon Thibodeau there. Willie Taggart had not yet lost a game the last time I exchanged uh, at Florida State. Uh, the last time I had a new cell phone. That was pretty, remember George Pickett or George Pickens' mom uh, declining our interview with him. 
No, I remember Josh and Bud was getting in a fight with a fan, and then yeah. I had to take that phone call. And then you had to take a phone call. Which just uh, <laughs> if there were, that exemplifies the dynamic of Josh's time here was him stirring the pot, and not always, uh, but often fell on on my lap or something. Camp else. was loaded though, dude. Kayvon Thibodeau, Nicobe Dean, Sam Howell, Sam Howell, George Pickens. Like these are all like NFL guys. Charles Cross, I think. Yeah. Yep. If they had hit, uh, things would have been different, but they didn't. And, hey, things are going in a good direction now. All right, final thing, guys, as we head into the Easter weekend, I don't want to talk about peeps. We know the, the polarizing nature of peeps. What I want to talk about real quick is Cadbury eggs. I think they are one of the most tasty, delicious desserts you can get at, at a grocery store. Uh, but I'm not a big fan of the yolk being, like, actual, like, realistically looking inside the egg. I don't need a, a, I don't need a yellow yolk in what I'm eating if it's not an actual egg. The answer is always Reese's peanut butter cups. Always. The peanut butter ratio. And you get the Easter egg version. So there yeah. you go. The peanut butter ratio of any of the, the Reese's holiday stuff is, is usually pretty excellent. Uh, Zach, are you sitting this one out? That's the best, uh, like candy? Or just... Easter themed candy, like springtime candy. I feel like if anyone says peeps, they're um, like, I don't want to like say anything mean, but I'm worried You're... for you. They're looking um, for attention if they say peeps. I don't know. I like, uh, I know this is like maybe a hot take. I like the white chocolate, like uh, bunnies. I like the milk like, chocolate. Like bunnies. the tall bunnies you get at like a yeah. uh, big store. When I was a kid, those are, you know, what? I'll be honest. Like I walked by an aisle of those the other day while picking something up with one of the little guys. And uh, the, the eyes kind of scared the ever loving hell out of me. Isn't that the name of the, the book with the white rat? Isn't it? What? The like eyes, they just they're just they're they're kind of freaky. Oh I said something to get fired or canceled. Panicula. Yeah, it's a bunny Dracula. Look it up. All right. For Chris Nee, Zach Blostein, I'm Brendan Sinone. Uh, happy weekend, happy Easter if you celebrate. We'll be back on Monday with a full buyer Sinone sponsored by The Turner Group. The Turner Group. Donnie Darko's the best bunny. <laughs>